Hey guys, Abby here with a quick note before you get into this episode. My audio right now sounds great, right? Well, don't get used to it. I didn't get an external mic until we recorded episode 3, which means that for the first two episodes my audio is kind of cruddy. You can hear me just fine for the most part, but there are certain moments my computer mic decided to cut out a word or two, most often when Nate and I were both talking at once. It's never when I'm saying anything crucial, mostly just goofs. So bear with us. It's not that bad, and it's just for a little bit. I'm only giving you a heads up because I'm a perfectionist, and it'll bug me if I don't. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy! not your house it's the mouse house this is this is not the house of mouse they canceled that show it, what oh yeah yeah you're right sorry it's the mickey mouse clubhouse there you go now let's do the hot dog dance and get this kick kicked. <laughs> come inside there's fun inside hot do- <laughs> <laughs> that can't be something they say oh it absolutely is no i don't want it to be <laughs> just because you don't want it to be <laughs> that it is not as i re- definitely see from i reject your reality i reject your reality <laughs> and substitute my own disney animation studios snow white goes down in history as the very first animated feature-length film. But how does it hold up over time? How does it look under a modern lens? And more importantly, we ask the question, can we make goofs about this? Hi, my name is Nate Conrad. This is my friend, Abby Rose. Together, we're gonna take this apart, see what makes it tick. Join us, as we begin dissecting the mouse. Okay, but you no, know, you know what I can't believe? You know what I can't believe? Now I'm on, I'm on a tear. Um, oh, tear into it. Babe. I clicked on the article and I was outraged because... I saw the headline, and it was Cole Sprouse, most famous for his role of Jughead on CW's Riverdale, got arrested. Oh! I'm like, you shut your whore mouth. That was physically painful. That was no, absolutely for River. Are you? You must be joking. You must. There's there's must be some sort of hidden camera somewhere. I mean, what? That. That first of all, that makes me feel a thousand years old. How much is the Second CW of all, paying that them? Makes me... <laughs> How much is the CW paying them to say that? I guess enough money to to lie like that. But really, what else has Cole Sprouse been in? Was it was it Cole Sprouse? Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse. Um. Cole. What's his brother's name? Simon. Um. Alvin. Oh my god. Matthew Gray? No. Um Can you not remember either? I was like, oh of course I know, but then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. If I say a wrong enough answer, I can make you forget anything. <gasps> oh no, it's Dylan. Dylan Sprouse. Dylan Sprouse. That's mm. it. I completely forgot that. 
All right, let's get down to brass rings and gold rings and gold tacks. Let's get, da- let's, tacks. Let's get down to brass knuckles. Mmm. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's Knuckles. The enchilada? Unlike Sonic, I don't chuckle. No, that's Nipples the enchilada. Oh, okay. Knuckles the barracuda. Yep. Okay, so what we're here to do... Give me the skinny. What I want to do is I want to watch every Disney animated feature film. Uh, no, um... Disney Animation Studios feature film, because there's a lot of Disney animated feature films come from a couple different studios, and uh, there's a couple that are, like, live action uh, mm-hmm. that don't technically count. Let's, um, suffice to say, we don't have to explain ourselves to you guys, because we're just going to watch what we're going to watch, and then you're going to hear about it. And right. Happy about that. But for for the main bulk of it, let's consider Disney Animation Studios, founded a million years ago in a little town called Burbank, California, where a man with a dream, Walter Elias Disney, ruined the lives of <laughs> thousands of women under the age of twenty five. He may have done that but he also enriched the lives of every american he was a very complicated person it it's kind of like robert j oppenheimer <laughs> where yeah american <laughs> hero robert j oppenheimer where, i mean no I, i'd like to say that robert j oppenheimer is like a better person because he experienced regret for the le- rest of his life have you seen the new oppenheimer d- uh, princess that just came out <laughs> it's princess radon sure let's let's go to oppenheimer world everyone <laughs> i would love to go to i would love to go to a theme park that was a, that was a jack skellington laugh it has to, <laughs> it has to i have like i'm a man of a million laughs you will come yes. to learn this you if you haven't learned it already you will come to yes so <laughs> okay um duncan on robert j oppenheimer aside uh, it's, it's no secret that Walt Disney, uh, really helped shape American culture, but it's also no secret that Walt Disney was not an ideal human being. It's, it's true that during the Great War, uh, World War One, he, uh, he went out of his way to make sure that all of his staff were being paid adequately, uh, more than adequately, Um, despite the fact that there was a whole ass war going on, there was like rationing and shit. And he basically, uh, saved his company through generosity alone. He also was a product of his time and his time was the twenties and the thirties and the forties. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about him, like as a person. Yes. But we're not just analyzing his stuff. We're not really analyzing this stuff at all. I mean, uh, we are watching a certain type of movie that he put on, and we're watching chronological order, and then we're just going to talk about him and shake him up and see what falls out. Yes. What we are doing here is we're going to watch each and every one of the uh, Disney Animation Studios feature films that was released, uh, starting with the first animated feature film ever, and ending when the company goes completely defunct, I suppose. And then we'll be featured on Defunct Land. No, I'm just kidding. 
Then we will. Then the whole company will be featured on Defunct Land. Kevin Perjurer, sponsor us. Sponsor, sponsor us. Sponsor us. <laughs> hey, sponsor Kev. me, Purge. Hey, Kev, sponsor us. Hey, Purge. How about you give us that good old sponsor? Oh, man. Yeah, all goofs aside, um, we both, you watched and I watched uh, um, Snow White. That movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Yeah. I completely mm-hmm. forgot the name of the movie that I watched five times in mm-hmm. t- three weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty forgettable movie. It's and not not to say that it's boring. It's not boring, but it's a movie that you watch and you're like, oh my gosh, why don't I ever watch this? This is so fun and like it's a good movie. And then it ends, and then it's almost like immediately you forget it. <laughs> and then right, what just happened? All I like, remember is Snow White's eyes were closed the whole time. It, in the in the moment, you're like, "This is great. These characters are so expressive and beautiful, and uh, I'm so interested in what's going on." And uh, later on, when you're writing up a write up of each individual character, you can't remember anything about Sneezy. You literally can't think of anything you could say about Sneezy. You can't even think of his sneezing, and his name is Sneezy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you're just beyond it. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the review of Snow White. We did it in one. That's a wrap, people. <laughs> yep. All right. So, we're, we're <clears throat> so, um, instead of ending it right then and there, how about, uh, we do a little back and forth. I'll tell you everything I figured out. I've got, uh, as I said, I did a write-up of each individual character. And how about I tell you about what I wrote? And then if you've written anything, you can lay that on me. All right. Let me let me grab my uh, my delicious juice box here and, and provide some nice ASMR. I don't want to hear that squunch. <laughs> squunch. <laughs> I don't want to hear that squunch in it's the like, final... Uh... Connor, if that squunch is in the final cut, I'm going to fight you. Morgan, if you create a sprite <laughs> specifically for the squunch, I'm going to fight you. It's like empty, too. I'm actually kind of impressed with my own powers. With your own squunch? With my own squunch. Okay. Um, okay. Besides the squunch. Are you done? Are you all squunched out now? I am all squunched out. I don't think I get a single a single puff of air out of this anymore. Okay. Wow. Bad. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I've, I've worked really hard trained for the I, I always knew that one day you could be the champion of suck. All right. It was a nice podcast, everyone, but I guess we've got to end. It <laughs> Sorry, but as just, you know, I, I owned her too hard. You did you not too. own me too hard. You are gross. Just tell me about the characters. All right. Uh, this is a list of characters as they appear in the film. I put them down as I remember seeing them appear. So first up, you've got the evil queen. Uh, I have written <clears throat> total vamp and fashion icon. Queen of serving face, this saucy little binch hates being less pretty than a teenager, despite being probably 35. She doesn't care that she's smart, powerful, 
talented, and literally twice as magical as everyone else in the whole ass kingdom, if she can't be pretty, she's ready to hire assassins. Twice? How'd you get the numbers for this twice as magical? She's, if everybody else is zero magical and she is one magical, that's twice as magical. No! <laughs> that's Zero is still zero! That's half of magic! <laughs> no! What? That's math. This makes no sense. I mean, I guess it's magic, so it doesn't have to make sense. It's magic. I ain't got to explain shit. Uh, later, oh. she goes on to turn herself into an old witch and change all of her mannerisms and speaking voice, despite keeping her same voice actress, queen of being a goddamn method actress, on God, where is her Oscar? Hell yeah. On God. So the next character we have is the magic mirror. And I have written <clears throat> a mystical, magical, two-dimensional rat snitch with all the moral <laughs> alignment of Werner von Braun. <laughs> this Steve Buscemi lookalike sees all and knows all and is doomed to use this power to be an obnoxious yet poetic jailhouse songbird. Mm-hmm. He's in two scenes and is still one of the best characters in the movie. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I like him. Uh, Snow White, the ultimate female ideal of 1935, simultaneously an innocent little 14-year-old girl and a stern but fair mother who will know seven guys for like 10 minutes and threaten not to feed them the food she cooked in their own house that she broke into, queen of self-esteem and bad decisions. Yeah! <clears throat> Her hobbies include cleaning, cooking, waiting, and just letting whatever happens happen. <laughs> Likely riddled with ticks and diseases from various wicked <laughs> creatures. She has, like, <laughs> three staph infections. <laughs> She's... She lifts her skirt. <laughs> That's why she can't open her eyes, is because they're all puffy. <laughs> she do yeah, she doesn't open her eyes, like, ever yeah. in the movie. She she does, but, like, oh, they're all heavy-lidded. And sleepy. I don't know why, because she's 14. She's sleepy. She's sleepy. Uh, the prince. Prince Charming, who looks like a magical fusion between Clark Kent and Ellen DeGeneres, whom we shall call Clarkin. Apparently, the prince of Laputa, the castle in the clouds, just happens to be wandering by when the swankiest teen he's ever seen just so happens to be singing her little heart out. Wait, Laputa? Pro yeah, the castle in the sky. Castle in the clouds. What? What? It's a Miyazaki reference. Oh. I haven't That's. That. Yeah, it was, was originally <laughs> called Laputa, the castle in the sky. Uh, and then they found out that spelling uh, a castle in a mystical, magical world. L-A-P-U-T. L -A -P -U -T. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it didn't translate oh, well. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they had, they wow. marketed in Japan where <laughs> Laputa means absolutely nothing. And then they brought oh, it overseas man. and everyone was like, ah, the whore, the castle in the sky. Oh, man. That's great. So, <laughs> that is great. Well, you learn something new every day. Anyway, yeah, I was like, I was like, what kind of Snow White lore have you stumbled onto? <laughs> like, I, I mean, any of that. At the end, he's in a castle in the clouds. It's literally the kingdom of God or Laputa. And I wanted to appeal to the weeaboos rather than the evangelicals. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I'm sure they used Snow White as an <clears throat> archetype and as a a template for their own lives. What 
That's fair. That's Ladies, fair. get married when you're 14 and do it then. Mm-hmm. All right. So we just did the gag about Laputa, the castle in the clouds, mm-hmm. uh, wandering by when the swankiest teen he's ever seen just so happens to be singing her little heart out. Mm-hmm. Promptly screws off for the entire length of the movie, only to return and smooch a corpse, reviving her by sheer coincidence alone. Uh-huh does literally the least in the whole movie and has no name besides Clarkin. Yep. All right. And some pretty uh, nice lips. He's got some pretty pretty sweet kissable lips. Mm-hmm. The second most kissable lips in the whole movie. The first come from the magic mirror. The um okay, he's got the third most kissable lips <laughs> in the whole movie. The second goes to the magic mirror and the first goes to the queen. Did you see those things? Oh yeah. But those aren't really kissable lips. Those are like appreciate while she crafts a very clever put down. I guess. Like, I want to, I don't want to smooch those lips. I want to see them give me a cutting remark. Yeah. 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 But like Magic Mirror, I could take a nap on those lips. I mean, you couldn't because you have glass in the way. Well, it's magic. Anything's possible. Yeah, it's magic. You gotta explain. Mm -hmm. Can I move on to the Huntsman? I guess. All right. <clears throat> Mr. Tomothy T. Turfbangs. Oh, God. The T stands for Turfbangs as well. Okay. One of the rare, totally sane members of the cast unfortunately uses this extended mental capacity exclusively to feel regret. Tasked with murdering the queen's stepdaughter and cutting out her heart, which he manages to identify at the very last second as probably not the best thing to do. instead decides to let the small sheltered child run away into the deep woods so she can be safe amongst the wild predators and poisonous plants, then lie to the all-seeing, all-knowing queen, deciding he'll probably get away with that. I know it sounds like I contradicted myself, but I swear I'm not. This is comparatively one of the most sane members of the cast. Maybe he was like an incel, and like he is like, I'm gonna be a nice guy for her, and then thinks that she's gonna fall for him. Tommy T. Turfbangs was white knighting for Snow White. Oh, yeah. Snow White knighting. Snow White knighting. He was, I mean, he clearly looks like if John Tron had a page boy wig, so I wouldn't put it past. Okay, so the next uh, character I have are various woodland creatures. Um, I came up with a sentence for each subsection. Doves. Shy and feminine and totally not a metaphor for the purity of Snow White. Okay. Bluebirds. Assholes who like to pull pranks for some reason. Mm-hmm. Raccoons. God's perfect creature. Deer. God's perfect coat rack. Okay. Turtle. He's there sometimes. <laughs> Squirrels and chipmunks. Cheeky little buggers who won't get out of my goddamn bird feeders. Various other birds, pie makers, for some reason. That one fly that bothers the dwarves, specifically Sleepy. Nobody notices this, but we only see that fly throughout the course of one single day. And then it goes to bed in the sleeping dwarves scene, and we never see it again. And I think that's because flies only live for a day, and that one just plain died. It spent the whole day bothering Sleepy and the dwarves, and then it died. Oh, no. That's kind Vultures. That's kind of oh, what, what flies do, though. I mean, like, you ever been outside in, like, the morning or the evening, and, like, it seems like the flies and the midges just exist specifically 
to like fly around your face and try their best to like fly directly into your mouth and eyes. I once, well, yeah. I once felt their carapace brush my eyeball. <coughs> I had to fish it out of my eye. And then it's. Yeah, that's. That's their only purpose in life is just. So that's like on brand. I support that completely. I think that's the most realistic part of this whole freaking movie. I mean, relatable and understandable, but none of those flies are adorably animated and have a cute and endearing scene where they wash up for dinner. Yeah, but at the same time, none of them are the size of a, a grape, so... That's true. It is the size of a grape. Yeah. It's a grape size. It's a horse fly, must be. It, oh, yeah. It has to be cute, otherwise that would be freaking terrifying. Right, yeah. If you see a horse fly in real life, it is not adorable. If you see a horse fly in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you want you want it to buzz around and sleep on your nose and then wake up to its corpse beside your head. And if you see a horse fly by your window, just know you're probably dreaming because horses don't fly. I knew you were going to say that when I <laughs> yeah. said when you said horse fly by your window. Uh so I'm just going to move on to vultures, who are messy bitches who live for drama. <laughs> yeah, they do. They are. Okay. So the seven dwarves are introduced all at once, and I'm going to break them down in alphabetical order, because there's no other order to, because they're all introduced at the same time. Uh, bashful. Literally never acts bashful, except for when Snow White is around, and she's the only girl they've ever canonically met. How could they have known Bashful was a good name for him if he'd never been bashful? We don't know if he's ever been bashful before. I guess not, but we've, we've bashful, only ever seen him. Bashful, call to confirm. Bashful, you've only ever been bashful around Snow White. Why have you ever been bashful before? Please respond to my email, maybe. Mm-hmm. Leave a comment down below. Leave a comment if you're bashful and tell me that I'm ruining your life. Okay, anyway, go on. Yes, Doc, clearly the smartest and the leader of the dwarves on account of he wears the glasses in the family. Can't keep his words straight for a whole last sentence. Talks faster than he can think. Hashtag relatable. (laughs) Hashtag ADHD prob. And and his his glass is too big for his goddamn face. They are. They're, you, you pointed it out. They're, like, on his cheeks. Yeah. Why is that, I wonder? I don't know. They're his cheekstickles. Che- they're, so he- they're so you can <laughs> magnify those beautiful plump dimples. Oh, nothing needs to magnify those. Is it okay if I move on to Dopey now? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I think Patton Oswald said it best about the pancake character on the Denny's menu. I don't want to give a name to it, but there's something wrong with Dopey. (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, he's a clear parody of mental illness. At the same time, according to the Descendants slash Isle of the Lost universe. Oh, no. He has biblical knowledge of a woman. He's he's the only one with a child. Somebody looked at Dopey somewhere down the line and compared him to Happy, Sleepy, Grumpy, and Doc, and they were like, that's that's the handsome one. That's the one. That's- He's got all the charisma of Goofy. <laughs> that's our stallion. <laughs> oh, man, that's our stud. Okay. That's mm, big boy. That's the model we want to follow. Um, I, I like his shiny head. 
Also, he's bald. I also like the fact that he looks like a giant baby. (laughs) No! Oh my gosh. Okay. (sighs) So, Grumpy. The OG Sundere and the Disney version of the Minion meme. The only other character in the whole ass movie with common sense, which is likely why he resonated with so many boomers who like to think that they're edgy. Mm-hmm. He, um, he really is the original Minion meme, isn't he? Yeah. Like, I, I, I have a, such a clear memory of so many, uh of other people's aunts and uncles who were like 40 something when I was like 10 and they would have grumpy shirts and grumpy sweaters. Like don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Oh, I just like when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. Um, This is giving me a headache. Oh, I hate those so much. No, no, I I said that one wrong. When I want your opinion, I'll tell you it. (sighs) I'll tell you it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Or let's move on. Like Oops, Tweety sorry. Bird. It's like like Tweety Bird with a cup of coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are so much better than the Grumpy though, because it's funny to see Tweety as some grumpy surly adult because Tweety is so tiny and small and twittery. Uh Grumpy is literally just the person wearing the sweater. It's their persona. All right, is that No, we're still Oh, we still have three dwarves, Abby. Oh my we still gosh. have three dwarves. All right, I'm happy. I'm so tired. I have withered away. All right, all right, all right. Let's 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 make you happy by describing happy. Oh, let's make me happy by shooting right on through these. Happy. I literally could not tell you anything about happy other than these three things. He's fat. He's happy, and he's the only dwarf that doesn't get a farewell kiss from Snow White. He's the incel of the group. He is the incel of the group. He's the opposite of Dopey. (laughs) Yes. Sleepy. Not much to say about this guy, except that he's constantly plagued by a single fly that probably only wanted to be his friend in his short life. What does that say that the most interesting thing about a character is a fly? I mean, I don't know. Not sure. Let's let's wrap it up with the last one. And by the way, I really had to reach for Sneezy and Sleepy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of anything for them. Uh, But Sneezy, why would I've only written? Why would you give a character the metahuman ability to sneeze a category three hurricane only to use it in maybe two gags? Hell, have him sneeze the old witch to death. (laughs) Well, I mean, we didn't see what he was doing. Maybe he sneezed her off the cliff. I mean, the, the, the hurricane did happen when they were giving chase. Maybe he sneezed up a hurricane. Yeah, it's true. It's true. He sneezed and lightning happened. And so, thank you for that. that uh, thank you for describing that, Motley Crew. All right. So, um, I wouldn't normally do, like, a background thing, but Snow White is kind of significant because it's, like, the first... Obviously, it's the first animated feature, and it um, comes from one of the most famous Grimm's fairy tales adaptations, so I figured I would do a little bit, because it's fun. Oh, boy. Um, Okay, so I'll state for the record that the brothers Grimm, so Jacob and Wilhelm, they were German, they were scholars, and no, they didn't actually write these stories, 
they collected them because that was like their studies that they did was in German folklore and in language and stuff. So while their versions became the most popular versions of these fairy tales, other versions did exist before, and there are a lot of different versions of the of the stories. So one of their most popular, as I said, was Schneeweichen, or Snow White. In the original version, the queen is actually her real mother instead of her stepmother, and demands her lungs and liver to the huntsman. Also, in this original version, Snow White is seven years old. Are you? She is the tender age of seven. She would be in kindergarten, my friends. And she gets married. Through the lens of that context, um, hmm. That's... Gardner was saved by True Love's Kiss, which actually, it really wasn't True Love's Kiss that saved her in the original. So in the original version, the queen attempts to kill her three times. First time is with um, dress laces that strangle her lungs. Second time is with a poison comb that, well, poisons her. And then the third time is with the famous apple. So she bites into the apple, and it's so poisonous, apparently, that as soon as she bites into it, she falls down dead without ever swallowing it. And okay. in in the original, are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. I'm ready. I think you're ready. I am. I Listen. Listen to me. I'm listening. I'm ready. Okay, so when Snow White's in her coffin, dead and looking all beautiful and stuff, uh, a prince comes along. As a seven-year-old does. You know, looking like a beautiful, dead seven-year-old. A prince comes along, never having met her before, and fancies her so much that he offers the dwarves money in order to take her body. Uh, The dwarves rightfully say no, but the prince begs them, saying that he can't live without her and that he'd honor her forever because he's apparently in love. What is wrong with this guy? (laughs) They are romantics, apparently, and... Stranger Danger was not a thing yet, so they pitied him and said, yeah, sure, okay, you can take the corpse of our seven-year-old mother. I I really want to know (laughs) what is wrong with this guy. Well, we never really find out. So here's where the two main versions of the story split. There are two main versions that the Brothers Grimm recorded. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more popular version says that when they pick up the coffin and start to carry it out of the forest, one of the carriers trips over a root and the coffin jolts, forcing the bite of apple out of Snow White's, Snow White's mouth and then reviving her, since I guess the poison is only a contact poison. Because that works. Naturally. Uh, Naturally. Magic. We don't have to explain anything. So the other version, less popular, but I prefer it because it just makes me giggle, mm-hmm. is that the prince made the servants carry the coffin everywhere he went in the castle at all times. Just, he couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't do anything without this dead seven-year-old, like, right next to him because he loved her so much, apparently. This guy is such a loser. (laughs) Uh, I can't stand hearing about him. Well, apparently this servant uh, feels the same that you do because one of the servants that had to carry this child everywhere got so fed up that he went around to it, opened the lid, and smacked Snow White right in the face, which dislodged the apple from her throat and saved her. <laughs> As we call that uh, true love's bitch slap. 
Yeah. This it's is not, this is a true story. So it's not a kiss. It's not waiting till marriage. Whatever. It's specific like, that a servant got so mad that he had to do his job. Uh, stupid I, freaking. I, un- job. I understand. I just said this is a true story, but what I meant by that was it's a true story that this is a real fairy tale, not like this is a true story oh, that yeah. Snow White no. actually happened. Yeah, this isn't just like a funny haha. Like this was one of the actual stories, like one of the actual versions of it. Um, there was no version where True Love's Kiss actually saves her. That was invented in the modern day. So there's supposedly a third version that I haven't found yet that says, all right, this is the this is the messed up one. It says... This, this is the messed up one. Yeah, this is the messed up one. <laughs> um, okay, so ignore, ignoring the fact that both of these involve a prince who wants a dead seven-year-old child bride lugged around with him in the castle, this is the messed up one. Well, because those versions, he just had her carried around. He didn't do nothing else. I... Yeah. Uh, No. No. (laughs) Maybe content warning? I don't know. So, uh, the third version says that the prince marries and sleeps with Snow White's corpse. And she carries a baby to term and births it, all while still dead. Ah. Yes. It isn't until the baby is is laid in her arms and starts to nurse from her from her breast that she finally wakes up. So this version exists according to my professor, and honestly, it's possible because the tale dates back before the Grimm collections and Snow's awakening and that of other magical sleepers is seen by many scholars to signify her sexual maturation into a woman. So, it is unfortunately possible. Um, And it's also hinted at in the movie where Snow White is saved by love's first kiss, not love's, you know, true love's kiss, love's first kiss, not only a symbol of sexual maturation, because now she's, you know, at her virginity, whatever, um, but also reinforcement of chastity and waiting until marriage. Um, so now, <laughs> I wait. Can I hold on? Yeah. Let's not gloss over this. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not let that get away without. Well, first, <laughs> welcome to 17th to 18th century uh, Germany, everyone. Welcome. To I, look around. I'd not like to go to 17th to 18th century Germany. I'd like to be gone from it, but I can't leave it without saying, and I, I, I hate to invoke her name because to invoke her name is to summon lawyers most of the time. But ladies and gentlemen, what you have just heard is Anne Rice presents the the tale of Snow (laughs) White. No. You've heard what she's done to vampires. You've seen what she's done to the mummy. Now get ready for Anne Rice Presents Snow White, a, a spinoff of, uh, what did she do, Sleeping Beauty, but it was all bondage? Oh, yeah, I don't remember. And then she did, like, two books on the life of Jesus. <laughs> did she? Oh, my God. She found- yeah, she's a born-again Christian, but she still <gasps> writes Vampire Chronicles. Oh, but they're Christian vampires. They're Christian vampires now. Mm-hmm. They're they're like they are Christian vampires, just like Christian cats in 
Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started on cats. I'm still I'm still healing from that. I would I would literally rather listen to Skimble Shakes, the railway cat, the cat of the railway train, before ever hearing that third story. Hey man, that's a freaking bop. You don't touch it's, Skimble Shakes. It's the best part of that movie. It's the best part of that movie. Which It's the best part of that play. Not saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, hey man, that's the corn in the turd. Oh, I've never heard that, and I really hope I never hear that again. It's... It's a disgusting image, but it's cats. Oh, that's... Is it supposed to be the good thing in the bad thing? It's it's the thing that you could technically... It's the thing that you could technically process. What? But you don't want to. But you don't... I'm just baffled. Okay, I need to stop thinking about that, because that's just gonna bring me down a rabbit hole of, like, just... Contemplating and questioning my own view of the world. Um, let's move away from cats. Let's move so, away from. All right, all right. Now, now come back to me. Now come back to me. I'm back to you. Okay. So now for the best thing, um, and by the best thing, I mean the worst thing. You no, <laughs> that, that wasn't the worst thing. Um. Well, I guess it's it is the worst thing, but this is the most graphic thing. Um. <laughs> I'm ready to be upset. <laughs> yeah. You should always be ready to be upset. Um, you you sick Abby on literally any topic, and you, you gotta be ready to be upset. I will ruin I, every single topic for you. I'm... Mm. I, am, I am Deborah Downer's successor. I am carrying oh. her legacy. Oh, Debbie Downer, the greatest skit in the history of sketch comedy and you are her Debbie daughter. Oh, that was good. That was good. High five. High five. High five. You just high-fived yourself. That was funny. I yeah, it's a I, I gave a little clap, you know? Yeah. So that okay. the audience thinks that we're in the same room and not in two different states. <gasps> Shh, don't tell him. Two different two different two different states. Two different two different two different states states. Two different two different two different states. Two different two different two different states states. Two different two different two different states. Two different two different two different states states. Two different two different two different states. Two different two different two different states states. Two different two different two different states. Two different two different two different states states. Okay, so now this last thing. Yes. The queen in this original story, doesn't have, like, a clean, blameless death-by-falling because of her own hubris like she does in, in the movie. Right. Every original version of the story ends with her being captured and brought to the wedding feast. Then she is locked into a pair of red-hot iron shoes and forced to literally dance herself to death. Uh... I want to start. Is there more? Um, well, I mean, I was going to go on to the connection that I made with a Hans Christian Andersen story, but I don't know if that would be too much. Mm, can you do it as a drabble? Can you do it as a little a little blurb? Um, well, it just is similar. It's it's seemingly random because Snow White, the story doesn't really have any other shoes. And so it's a weird have like a shoe related death in this story um and 
I just made the connection between this and the Hans Christian Andersen story, The Little Red Shoes, which is basically a story about a girl who um, isn't, she's more like the evil queen than Snow White. She's intelligent, she's vain, and she's um, she wants to do other things than be a wife and mother. And so she is basically punished. And the allegory is that once you put on these red shoes, you can't take them off again. And Hans Christian Andersen basically wrote it because he was super salty at all the women writers that were more popular than he was. So he put <laughs> it to warn little girls that if they were to have a life being a writer or being like an intellectual or whatever, they could never go back to how they were before. Like it would forever like ruin them and they would exhaust themselves. And so wow. red shoes themselves have become a, a powerful symbol in a lot of feminist literature. And so I just find it interesting because the evil queen, who is like this intellectual lady, was locked into a pair of red shoes, and that's how she dies, is dancing in red shoes. So you think, like, the Brothers Grimm put that in there as a nod to their friend and feminist ally, Hans Christian Andersen? I don't even, I don't even think that they knew that the other was... was happening i mean i i don't i don't pretend to know that because i mean the german story if anything hans christian anderson might have seen that and and read and wrote his own story about it because the iron shoes might have been a product of the original fairy tale which dates back centuries before the Grimm brothers so that's true and that's fair i want to i want to think that it's just the universe saying hey get it you get it Red shoes, you get it? Red shoes are universally bad from from Hans Christian Hans Christian feminists to uh Louboutins, which are ugly. Louboutins. Yeah, okay, this yep. I they got they got the red soul and they're I, they're Louboutin. Louboutin? Yeah. Louboutin? Louboutin. The the brother of Captain Lou Albano, Louboutin. Nope. That's that's it. Yeah, and you I just want to take it back to, to the point where you said they captured the evil queen. Yes. As if, like, she, oh, curses, my plan has failed. Time to go out on the lamb, you know. Yeah, yep. Like, I mean, you would go into hiding, too. They pursue, I guess, but maybe not if I'm, like, a whole-ass royal. Yeah, fairy tales, man. So... I have provided some information about the characters. You have provided some information, perhaps, about uh, the source material. But what what really happens in Snow White? Uh, like we said, it's a very uh, kind of post-film forgettable kind of film. So is there any possible way that you could tell us what happened in the movie? I would be glad to. For anybody who hasn't seen Snow White, or for people who have, and it's just been a very long time, or even if you've freaking seen it yesterday and you've already forgotten because it's just such a <laughs> movie. <laughs> this movie starts with a vain, jealous queen asking her magic mirror who is the fairest in the land, expecting it to be herself. When instead it's her young, young, young stepdaughter, Princess Snow White, the queen is... Either 14 or 7. Either 14 or 7, you choose. Neither are great. She tells a huntsman to kill the girl and bring back her heart. 
Meanwhile, Snow is doing manual labor around the castle with her animal friends, because apparently there aren't any other indentured servants, when a prince who looks suspiciously like the love child of Clark Kent and a heterosexual and degenerate comes up and puts <laughs> moves on her. We had the same, same, uh, same idea. Same, same, same hat. Same hat. Same hat. <laughs> she runs and hides, but then seems to be kind of into it. I mean, I was kind of into weird, stocky guys when I was 14. Is he stocky? I blame Anne He, he Ann just kind of shows up. I blame Anne Rice. You blame... Well, he, you see him looking through, like, a 10-foot fence, and then you see him on the other side of that fence, so I'm a little worried. He's hopping fences. Everybody does that. It's the 30s, man. It's the 30s, man. All right, so it's the, it's the 1730s, man. Yeah. All right, so the huntsman and his turf bangs find her in the forest and almost stab her, but then spare her instead because she's just so gosh darn pretty. <laughs> yeah. So flees with her animal friends. Ha, get it? Flees. And <laughs> little stop, cottage that's right out of an episode of Hoarders. No, never. Commence a cleaning-themed musical number where the forest animals rub their fur over virtually every surface and lick all the plates and cups. Isn't it? After it, making a vat of soup and tidying up, Snow collapses into bed. The seven dwarven miners come home to find their cottage clean, and also covered in rodent-borne Lyme disease, <laughs> and discover Snow White upstairs. After an initial freakout, and also kind of a murder plot. After they, a what freakout? After an initial freakout. Oh, initial. I, I thought you I thought you said little, but then you said niddle. And I was like, niddle? After, let's, I'll repeat that sentence. After an initial freakout and murder plot, I guess, they agree mm-hmm. to keep her safe and hidden as long as she becomes their live-in servant. And also mother and also kind of daughter. I mean, let's, let's not gloss over the fact that she offers this, like, apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not that they uh, they ask her to do that. She's like, oh, please let me stay here. I'll do all of your chores. I love cleaning. <laughs> I love to cook for big, strong men. They're not. Okay. Um, They're, they're dwarves. Well, yeah, but, you know, they're By strong. definition, dwarves. They are. I guess they're strong. I don't know. Um, all right. So she seems to be fine with it. Um, she's doing the same work here as in the castle with the added bonus that they're not trying to murder her. I and guess it- that's fair. She gets to flex her mother muscles and force them to practice hygiene for once in their lives. The dwarves find they rather enjoy bathing as it provides another excuse to physically bully Grumpy with tactics suspiciously akin to waterboarding. Yeah, I don't. I also don't want to gloss over the fact that this is the most frightening bath scene I've ever seen in my life. Yep. This is harrowing. Like, it's, why? There's, there's like, yeah, there's multiple. Sp- more than one frame, like I've paused it when I've watched it before. There's more than one frame where you pause it, and while they're holding Grumpy under the water, one or more of the dwarves have had this like intense expression on their face, just like looking down at him. Like, finally, I just, <laughs> it's chilling. It's quite chilling. It's All right. It it also has the most violent. Get the soap I've ever heard in my life. As like, opposed to the other get the soap. Like, so, this is this is the most murderous way I've ever heard somebody say get the soap. So the queen finds out from her Steve Buscemi lookalike magic mirror that Snow White is still alive and prettier than ever. So she tracks her down and feeds her a poison apple, certain that Snow wouldn't be able to break the curse since it requires love's first kiss. Snow falls into a sleep death from the apple, and the dwarves chase the queen off to a cliff where she's murdered by an act of God and her own hubris. 
When they return, they put Snow in a coffin and mourn her until Prince Clark and the generous Kent comes and sees her lying there. Since she ran away when he tried to kiss her at the beginning, he smooches her now, and love's first kiss breaks the spell. Then he carts her off to live happily ever after. Since he's gone and the queen's dead, it's not clear whether her original kingdom has a monarch anymore, so I assume it falls into anarchy and chaos. The end. The end. What a beautiful story when phrased mm-hmm. like that. That's it, and you've probably already forgotten it. Listen, I don't want to say that I have, mm-hmm. but as engaged as I was, and um, as much as I tried to add to the conversation, I've literally already forgotten. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's there and it's gone. It's almost amazing. It's almost I, I haven't forgotten about the bath scene, though. So, I think it's only fair. You've given me so much. You've given me the background, and you've given me the story. I, I think it's only fair that I tell you a little bit about um, the production. Okay. Uh, and I figure, you know, rather than write out a six-page, 20-minute conversation about every little detail and include something about the rap party, hey, go watch Defunct Land. They do a really good episode about that. Um, why don't I just tell you a little bit about Snow White herself, the character? I'm amenable to that decision. Amenable. I'm going to put that into my daily vocabulary now. I'm anemone to that decision. Anemone? Anemone. (laughs) Anemone anatomy? Anemone. Okay, so let's talk about Snow White, and let's basically talk about the three women that inspired her. Uh, Hedy Lamarr, Marge Belcher, and Adriana Casalotti. Now, this is this is a case of a triumph and two tragedies. Uh, let's start out with the triumph, Miss Hedy Lamar, who was the visual inspiration for Snow White, one of the most beautiful women of the era, total lady heartthrob, and at the time she was a controversial figure on account of her big breakout role in a film called Ecstasy in 1933. This is one year before Snow White goes into production. Basically, this is what puts her on the map for everybody. She was featured, age 19, in one of cinema's first ever full frontal nude scenes. So, yeah, she's long regarded as a memorable visual inspiration for that. Hmm. Uh, Throughout the movie, uh, Snow White, not Ecstasy, you will notice how we've goofed about it. Snow White almost always has her eyes half open, half lidded. Uh, that was Hedy Lamar's signature look. She had the bedroom eyes and the smoky eye shadow. She always looked like she was about to fall asleep, no matter what you were saying to her. That was that was really that really shone through in her face. It's also worth worth mentioning that her entire career. I I've talked about her like some kind of bombshell, but no, this whole career was a front. It was a way to use her looks to secure funding for her various science experiments. She was married to a highly successful rocket scientist. She would go on to leave him and run away to America to escape the rise of Nazism uh, and use her high intelligence and all the money she made off of making movies to invent and patent a device that encoded radio transmissions. Now, this technology would go on to be the basis of the technology that would evolve into both cell phones and Wi-Fi. So she laid the building blocks for some of the most important communications technology, all because she hated Nazis and was too hot to be ignored. 
Yeah, we stand. We stand. What a lady. The second, and here's where we're getting into the tragedy, uh, was her body reference. Uh, when I say body reference, I don't mean like the visual inspiration. I mean, like whenever you see Snow White move, you're really seeing the movements of Mrs. Marge Belcher, known today as Marge Champion. She's still alive, last I checked, and living in retirement. As of this recording, she is still alive. She worked on Snow White, and she's still alive. She was, at the time, a dancer and an actress that they hired to do the movement modeling for Snow White. Uh, She would dress up in the Snow White outfit and move around the studio, and the artists would not only get to see how the fabric hung on the frame, so to speak, but they would see and incorporate her mannerisms and motions into the work. Uh, I believe while we were watching it, you noticed that each of her movements looked like a dance, and that's because, specifically, she would dance around the studio. She would put a lot of her dancing uh, experience into her movement. Uh, Lots of the animators came to regard her as a little sister figure, and there were a lot of animators who would go on to be big names in the company. Uh, Fred Moore... Milton Call and Ward Kimball, for example, but one big-name animator had a different idea. Uh, this animator was Arthur Art Babbitt, and his no. his idea... Boo. Yeah, I know you're booing, because his idea Get is, out the vinegar and water. <laughs> yeah, get out the vinegar and water. Here comes Art Babbitt. He had the idea to pursue a romantic relationship with Marge. Now, you know about Art Babbitt because I couldn't shut up about Art Babbitt after I found out about Art Babbitt. But who is Art Babbitt? Let's go over it. Well, a little info about him. He's the guy who innovated animation in the company by incorporating... I'd rather rather go over him with my car several times. I wouldn't we all, but... Let's 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 briefly touch upon the the positives before we talk talk about why we should condemn him. Can we do that real quick? I mean, sure. Right. I'll allow. We'll let the people decide. Let's let's make this fair and balanced. Innovated animation in the company by incorporating a process called intellectual analysis, which is a method of doing a written document on a character before you even begin working on their reference sheet. On this document, you basically take notes on how the character thinks, how they behave, their reactions to certain events, their whole thought process. And this allows you to know off the top of your head what kind of expression they'll make and the way they move as they move. So he used this to... Uh, really incorporate a lot of emotion into the movements of the Queen, Snow White, the Seven Dwarves. Uh, he invented Goofy. He uh, he literally invented Goofy. There was there was a character called Dippy Dog that he completely redid from scratch. So Goofy, thanks Art Babbitt. Uh, this guy also one of the young members of the staff as I said, starts dating Marge Belcher, and their relationship causes a little bit of a scandal, so much that Walt nearly fires Art. So to make things legitimate, Art announces his plans to marry Marge. The wedding is, here's here's where the condemnation comes in. The wedding is held in 1937, because it has to be, because that's when Marge turns 17. That means in 1934, when they met, she was only 14 years old. And that's where the big scandal comes from, because Art Babbitt was 26 years old at the time. He was the prince. He was the prince from Snow White. He was the prince from Snow White. He was Art Babbitt, 26 years old, going after Marge, 14-year-old little sister Belcher. 
They're married for three years and then they get a divorce. She doesn't get married again until 1947, age 27, and that one lasts all the way up till 1980. And that's where she gets her new last name, Marge Champion. Yeah, that says a little bit about what their relationship really was. It was kind of like a shotgun wedding so that he doesn't get fired. Awful, awful, awful. awful. Even, like, for the time, it was considered scandalous and terrible to be dating a 14-year-old when you're 26 years old. You can... I can never look at Goofy without thinking of Art Babbitt, and I can never think about Art Babbitt and his beautiful contributions to the Disney company. And there's more. I'm not going to talk about it now because we're talking about Snow White, but there's more that Art Babbitt did that makes him such a, that he's, he's like the, oh. It's such a powerful thing to be able to say that somebody in their time was bad. Let's try to get the bad taste of Art Babbitt out of our mouths. Let's go get him out. I don't even want to think about Art Babbitt like anywhere near my mouth. (laughs) Oh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to think of it like that. Uh, how dare you? It's the it's the, the corn in the. It's the corn in the. Let's not ever say uh, that. Again. I regret ever saying that. Yeah. It's the art Babbitt in. The- <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Babbitt in the room. Moving off the subject of fabulously talented sexual predators and the victims of their abuse and or grooming, let's talk about Adriana Casalotti, the voice actress of Snow White, and the victim of a totally different form of abuse. As a chorus girl for MGM, just basically starting out her career, she signed on to a special contract with Walt Disney that said she would be the voice of Snow White, and she would only be the voice of Snow White. She couldn't use her singing voice anywhere else because Walt didn't want to spoil the illusion of Snow White. This meant she wasn't allowed to sing in movies, on TV, or on radio unless she was portraying Snow White. She did go on to have a career, but this was almost exclusively in appearances dressed as Snow White, reciting lines from the film and singing the song. And she had a bit of a career on stage in opera, but that was nothing compared to what she could have had if Walt Disney hadn't decided to care about a fictional character more than he could care about a real person. Speaking of which, she wasn't even in the credits of the film, because those were apparently reserved for the animation staff. No voice actors or actresses of any kind were accredited, as part of the preservation of the illusion that these characters could be who they were and not some other name or voice. They didn't credit Lucille LeVere, the voice of the evil queen and the witch, who did an amazing job doing two completely different voices. They didn't accredit any of the dwarves. They didn't accredit Tommy T. Turfbangs. Nobody gets a voice credit. On sort of like silver lining of the situation, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a kid growing up when the like Disney princesses that I grow up with, they're real to me. Like anytime I see the voice actress for Snow White, it's Snow White. You know, she appears as Snow White. Like that would have been amazing to grow up with, to have that illusion. That's true, but like how many places can she be in? Think about this. People growing up with Frozen and then seeing Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel, like they're having big names in movies has kind of, in a way, ruined the animated movie because it becomes more about the people that are in it 
and less about the movie itself. There was a whole, there's been studies done on this about the entrance of the the known actor and the celebrity into voice acting. It's true. And there's a lot to say about that, especially when we're starting, when we talk about like Aladdin, which is where it really started. It really started with Aladdin because Robin Williams didn't want people to make a big deal about it. And then they made a big deal about it. And he was very upset about that. Yes. But that's... If you want to hear more about that, watch Lindsay Ellis's video about it because she does a really good job. After all said and done, after we've gotten everything out of the way about the plot, the character, hour and a half in, and we're not—we're just now getting to. What do we think about this movie? Uh, is what we're just now getting to. It's just now. Gosh. Um. Okay. So here's the skinny. I think it's a cute movie. I think mm-hmm. it's a more pleasurable movie to watch than other animated Disney movies. Like other animated Disney movies, you can tell the backgrounds are just, you know, they're okay. They're, they're backgrounds. But this, I mean, you've watched it five times. I've watched it, you know, like two times now. And well, in the beginning, I was taking so many freaking notes. Well, but okay. But the point that I'm getting to is that, You've watched it a bunch of times. I've watched it a bunch of times. And even yesterday, when we watched it again, we were finding new things. Like, oh my gosh, there's a thing that's carved into a swan. There's, a, you know, all the stairs in the little dwarf's cottage are all owls. And, like, there's still things in the background that we're noticing. And the, the movie itself was crafted with a lot more care than other movies that, we, that we've seen from recent stuff. Of course, this is our first movie that we're doing for this but still this is the first movie we've ever watched in our lives in our lives we've sat in a room eating triscuits for you know 20 some years and now we've been released and now we know that socially acceptable for an adult man to marry a 14 year old girl i mean 17 please stop i mean i mean i mean seven year old girl i mean wait (laughs) i'm confused um but (laughs) <laughs> the the moral of the story is that Art Babbitt is a Disney legend and a national treasure. The moral of the story is that Dopey touched <laughs> a woman. <laughs> Don't! <laughs> a woman touched Dopey. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. But what, is, what do you think? What do you, do you think about the movie? What you said is y- you liked it or it's pleasurable to watch or it's beautiful to deconstruct. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. Like, there's, I mean, the funny parts aren't really funny to me, just because they're just like, oh, haha, they fell down. Oh, look at Dopey. He's, <laughs> he's Dopey. Uh, he's something. He's, he's something. A, I don't want to give a name to it. He's definitely something. Um, but he's Dopey. He's, he's, yeah. Um. And if the women have a say in it, he's Dopey Thick. Oh, my God. Can you just... Oh, my gosh. So... Uh, my my sanity is crumbling like a dinner mint in a glass of water. I'm just, that's... I'm just, you're not supposed to put the mints in the water. Well, no, but that's just what happens when you put them in the water. <laughs> Whether or not I was supposed to do it, I made a mistake. People make mistakes. You got me there. 
Um, so yeah, I liked it. Didn't think it was funny, but I liked it. I liked Snow White. I liked her motions in it. I I thought that the witch was friggin' awesome. I liked her when she was a hag. She was like free. She was loving life when she was a hag. She was like she seemed so much happier as a she's hag. Happier. She's like funny and cracking jokes and. Yeah, like she was, she, I honestly think like she should have just realized like, oh, I'm happy as this hag and just lived her truth. Yep. Lived her, her, her wretched, warty, hook-nosed, bug-eyed, oh God, is she anti-Semitic? Yeah, the, I mean, a lot of like witch figures are inherently anti-Semitic. That's true and that's fair. That's a whole different That's a whole different, yeah. Right, we're. We're not we're not analyzing this for I mean we are technically analyzing it for is it racist. We can say is it problematic? Yes. yes. But we're not here to investigate what makes it problematic. We're here to investigate whether or not it is enjoyable to watch and recommended to watch. Yep. Okay. So um would recommend this. Nate, what do you think and would you recommend I'm going to lay down three things for you. I'm going to lay down an observation, my opinion, and a crackpot theory. Okay. All right. I'm going to describe to you a certain kind of person, and we're gonna you're going to tell me who I'm describing. Okay. All right. They are hardworking, typically in mines. They live in a close family unit, uh, but isolated from others. They wash so rarely that it is foreign to them. They spend a lot of their free time doing folk music. Who, pray tell, am I describing? I think those are the are the hillbillies out there by the creek down in Appalachia. Oh, chasing a polecat up a tree? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These also perfectly describe the dwarves. So I think uh, my observation is that these dwarves are intentionally Appalachian... Appalachian... App- Appal- don't you, don't you Appalachian me. I'm a Appalachia. Can you say that one more time? You call it Appalachia. I'm going to throw an Appalachia. I love hearing that, and I'm sorry I keep screwing it up, so I'm going to stop doing that starting are right you, now. Are you doing it on purpose, so I'll do that every time? No, I'm genuinely, like, I've been... Ah, I'm on to you. I've heard it that way every single time in my life, and it wasn't until I met somebody who was actually, uh, had roots coming from Appalachia that I found out that I was wrong. My cousin walked what he called the Appalachian Trail. So, yeah, growing up, I just knew he did that, and I was like, oh, Appalachia. So I was just always wrong, and it's important to learn that you can never stop learning. I gag you with a tutor's biscuit and feed you to Mothman. <laughs> Thanks, West Virginia. Uh huh. Uh- West Virginia Board of Tourism, uh, plug sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. I say that if you're looking for a Disney movie to watch on your own, maybe picks one that's not Snow White because. Yeah. I don't, I, as beautiful as it is to look at, I see myself glazing over every time I watch it. Yeah. This, this movie is perfect, however, if you have, like, a younger child, or uh, a little cousin, or if you have a friend who's never seen Disney movies before, but is interested in watching them. Uh, you want to show them this movie. 
you really want to show this movie to somebody who's seeing it for the first time so that you can talk about it with them as it's going on and watch it as it's going on. So I will say watch this movie, watch it with a friend, and maybe make sure that friend hasn't seen it before. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a good group movie. I, I thought say. I've thought of a quick thing that we can do. What's that? What are three things you want people to know? about this movie or one to three things just 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 like statements i'm gonna take a little bit of time to think about this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right three things one to three things that i want people to know about this movie before they watch it Mm -hmm. first ever feature length animated feature so it's historical great family movie to watch with your family And last but not least, catchy songs that will teach your kids the importance of cleaning up and washing up. All right. That's what I got. Those are my those are my three. Well, um, I'd say the first thing would be this movie is not a blueprint for a healthy relationship. Very important. Very important. Uh, The second thing you can fast forward through all the credits in the beginning. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Third thing, if Snow White's makeup in her and her her facial coloring, you know, looks like real makeup, it's because it is. Because the female animators or the female uh, the line colorers or whatever, they actually used their own makeup. So that's why her cheeks look all rougey and her lips and her eyes look all makeupies because they actually use their real makeup. That is actually a fascinating fact. Mm-hmm. Oh, surprise fourth thing. Don't worry about it if you don't remember anything of what went on afterwards, because we were the same way. We had to watch it, like, multiple times in order to get it to stick. And even then, we had to write most of it down, so. Yeah, I had to take, like, uh, notebooks worth of notes. Yeah. Um, even then, we got lost multiple times along the way. But I did remember enough to come up with this crackpot theory. Oh, boy. I'm going to lay this down on you. Okay. okay. Snow White was a target of the Evil Queen, not because she was more beautiful, but because her fairness is somehow related to magical ability. Snow White shows the ability to influence small woodland creatures and also sway the opinions of the characters around her. She has magic power, and she doesn't know it yet, so she's not, like, tapped into it but she's going to be more powerful than the queen. And that's why the queen wants her dead because she doesn't want any competition in power. Damn. Yeah. That's my crackpot theory. Hey, and that's why there's no other servants in the castle is because she doesn't want Snow White to have an army at her disposal of people who will do anything for her. Yeah. Oh my God. That's why, that's why she's doing all the chores too. Uh, Mm -hmm. So she's not, like, learning anything or studying anything and figuring out, hey, I could have magic powers. She only finds that out when she goes to the woods and finds out, oh, I can talk to animals. Hell yeah, I support this theory. All right, crackpot theory supported. Um, Oh, while we're talking about crackpot theories, I'm going to get into mine. Mm. Oh, I I have two, actually. I have two, actually. We We can paste these in anywhere or just delete them all together, but I'll just have them down. All right, so... First one, actually, they're both about Grumpy. First one is we see multiple times throughout the story that Grumpy is, like, always falls down. He knocks into things. He's not careful. He bumps 
you know, into doorways and falls down like multiple times, hits his head. Um, anyway, so my theory is that he wasn't originally grumpy. Originally, his name was Clumsy because he just kept falling down and getting into things. But mm -hmm. over time, he got so angry and fed up with always falling down and always having a headache because of his constant concussions that he became grumpy because he just is never in a good mood because i mean would you be in a good mood if you're just falling down all the time no probably yeah no i i definitely like now that i really think about it he is probably the clumsiest of all the oh god I, for a second i forgot the word dwarves and i was gonna call them goblins oh Snow White and the Seven Goblins. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. That's a that's a D and D campaign waiting to happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who are these go Who are these little men? Stabby, bitey, murder. Stay murder. away from my shinies. <laughs> and dopey. D dopey. <laughs> um. And yeah, like even even Dopey, who's supposed to be the clumsy one, is not nearly as clumsy as Grumpy. Right. Yeah. He when he does it, he does it big, but he doesn't do it as often. Yes. Um, it's more just errors in judgment than like, actual clumsiness. OK. OK. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. That's a right. that's a crackpot theory that I can support. Theory accepted. Cool. All right. Now on to my second spicier theory. So. With Grumpy, in addition to, you know, bumping into things and being all clumsy and stuff, he always complains about women in general. And whenever, when the dwarves first come back into the cottage, Snow White is upstairs, they're looking around at all the things that are cleaned, and Grumpy thinks that it's witchcraft. And he says that there's even witch's brew bubbling over the fire, which is actually soup. Um, and when they finally find Snow White... They claim, he claims that she's a witch or she's an enchant enchantress and women are nothing but trouble and she'll use her feminine wiles on, on them and her, her beauty. Um, and then later, even after the dwarves have decided to keep her, when they mention the witch, Grumpy seems to have the only insider knowledge of the witch, calling her evil, saying that she, you know, will take even a small thing, if you, if you give her anything, then she'll take over and, and ruin your life pretty much yeah like they they she's only referred to as the queen but he refers to her specifically as an old witch i think i see where you're going with this with the the only dwarf with experience with women apparently and the only dwarf with experience with the queen is grumpy which makes me think perhaps grumpy has gained all this knowledge by having a previous tryst with the queen. I think that the two of them are old flames. I thought you were going to say that he knew the queen. Oh, no. Oh, he definitely knows her. She knows him. Biblically. Biblically? No. <laughs> she know, he know, they know each other in the way that Dopey knows someone. <laughs> I, I, who, who does Dopey know biblically, by the way? Like, who... who has to fill those shoes, those those red hot iron shoes. I mm. okay. I it was a mistake to ever think about that, but I can see the all whole of those thing things. was a mistake. I'm going to hesitantly accept this theory because I can see all of those fitting, 
but I can't see the queen and a dwarf. It's grudging acceptance. Grudging acceptance of the theory. Yes. Now, we've been recording just raw audio for, at this mark, one hour, 54 minutes, and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is going to get into the final product, Mm-mm. but I am very glad we spent all of this time talking, yeah. and I I can't wait to talk about the next one because you know I'm I'm genuinely excited to see what your insight is on the next movie uh, because I really really liked hearing what you had to say about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Ah. Well, I enjoyed hearing what you had to say and your all your crackpot theories. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, what is the next one? The next one is Pinocchio. Oh, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Oh, um, spoiler alert, I have watched, in preparation, by now I have watched Pinocchio once. And okay. I am, hmm, spoil, all spoilers? I'm kind of scared to watch it again. Yeah. I mean, is there pedophilia? No, 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 no. Not, well. Okay. Well. Oh, um, oh no, Nate, do not do this to me. It's hard to say, but I don't think so. Oh, no. <laughs> how, how is that somehow worse than a yes or a no? I, we'll get into that in the next episode, oh. but I, then there's another reason I'm excited for the next episode. Okay. Because... We're going to, I'm going to introduce a very important aspect of this podcast that I was so excited to be doing. Okay. And we'll find out what that is next time. Ooh, cliffhanger. Next time when we dissect the mouse. Dissecting the Mouse would like to acknowledge the art provided on commission by Eric, Morgan, and Silas, as well as the editing done on commission by Connor, and of course, the research done by Abby and Nate. Links to the business information for all involved artists are provided in the expanded credits, as well as a bibliography of relevant sources. Nate would also like to extend his personal thanks to his library co-workers. Dissecting the Mouse is intended as a review based on subjective opinion, and is not intended to be a scholarly source. Thank you for listening. Two different, two different, two different states. 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 Connor, 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 cut it out. Connor, 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 cut it out. Connor, Connor, cut it out.